couldn't believe it. I thought, oh my gosh, we can totally do this, right? Because we're already doing the work. We can take it over. We don't need them. Then we find out that the federal government decided to go a different route and that they weren't going to compete the opportunity. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risks. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. If you're not already in our community, go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to join and receive five free benefits. First, you get the risk reduction checklist that I created from all the episodes. Second, you get my weekly investment research email to help you increase your return. Third, you get a 25% discount on all ASTOTS Academy courses. And fourth, you get instant access to our Facebook community to get to know guests and fellow listeners. And finally, you'll get my curated list of the top 10 podcast episodes. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Kizzy Parks. Kizzy, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. Let's do it. I want to introduce you to the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. As a kid, Kizzy Parks would clean golf balls in an alley behind her friend's house and resell them through a fence to golfers and use the money to buy snacks. <laughs> she always knew she'd become an entrepreneur and earn an advanced degree in psychology. Her entrepreneurial spirit meshed well with her inquisitive nature as an adopted child who always wanted to meet her birth family, which she eventually did. She started K Parks Consulting over a decade ago and during that time earned a PhD in psychology. Today, she owns and operates multiple businesses, and she has won more than $50 million in government contract awards. Through her business, GovCon Winners, she helps service-based small business owners learn how to win profitable federal government contracts using her powerful CTC technique. Kizzy, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. <laughs> Tell us something about your life. Uh, yes, I have something to tell you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just going to jump right in here. Okay, go. Go. So, you know, there was a time when there was a $40 million opportunity. Four zero million dollar opportunity with the federal government to provide basically training, curriculum development across the entire federal government. And at that time, we provided work to the current incumbent. Mm. But the word on the street was that they wanted to work with somebody else. So I put in all types of resources. I gave my director of learning a raise. I paid for some woman to make her lunch, which was ridiculous. I <laughs> spent all of these resources on business development to really position ourselves 
so that we could win this work. And we started to look for facilitators and curriculum developers. And it was just piles of cash upon piles of cash upon piles of cash being spent toward this $40 million opportunity because I thought, well, why not, right? What's $600,000? Nothing compared to 40 million. (laughs) Nothing. But then in all of that excitement, right? Because I was only in business for not even 10 years. It was a few years at that time. Mm. So super exciting. It was going to be life-changing. Couldn't believe it. I thought, oh my gosh, we can totally do this, right? Because we're already doing the work. We can take it over. We don't need them. Then we find out that the federal government decided to go a different route and that they weren't going to compete the opportunity. And so I ended up with a team member that I didn't need, $600,000 in debt, and zero $40 million project. And I, I, they didn't I even give you, negative. they didn't even give you a million. No, they got nothing. They didn't even recompete the opportunity. So no one received anything from that project. Mm. And um, can you remember the day that you kind of realized oh, this is gone? I do, it was, it was after many, many meetings, all different types of meetings on strategizing and getting the documents together. And it just came up that they weren't doing it. And I just thought, oh my gosh, why did I build it first? Why did I do this? And were, that you, made in, no were, you, sense. In, were you in that meeting when it hit you or did you walk out or was it that night or when was the moment that you really hit you? It really hit me. It was, I think it was a phone meeting mm. and it really hit me like, this is not happening. I'm like years of thinking about this and strategizing and working on all these efforts. It's for nothing. And how it was you- all for nothing. And how did you feel at that moment or what in your moment, in your quiet moment? I was very angry. I felt very defeated. I also questioned why I had certain people on the team because there was, there was no reason to really have them. Mm -hmm. I was very disappointed with myself because I shouldn't have built anything out. I should have trusted myself. Yep. Well, let me ask you, what lessons did you learn? The biggest lesson was to not build it first. The biggest lesson was to do the reverse, which is get them to try something out or to want to work with us opposed to spending and getting into debt for an opportunity that just didn't come to fruition. Mm. And just one question, why did you do it that way? Did you know this and you went against your best judgment or you were just new and you were just thinking, this is what you got to do. You got to spend to get the big one. And this is huge. And we're going to win it. It was like a combination of both, Andrew. It was like, 
I didn't know. And then these supposed mentors were really pushing me. There was a, a person on my team that was being paid for business development. So she, of course, was pushing me for more hours. Right. right. And then my, the mentors in my circle pushed and encouraged. And I felt like, you know, like if like a kid getting ready for picture day, your parent picks out your outfit and you don't really want to wear it, but they're forcing you to wear it because it's picture day and you just go along with it because you have to, because you're a kid. And that's like how I felt. I felt like this doesn't feel right. It was itchy. It was scratchy. It wasn't normally how I would dress anyways. And that's how I felt in that situation. It was very similar. It just didn't seem right. But I, I thought, well, this is what these experts are telling me to do. So I guess this is what you're supposed to do. Did you ever have a moment like where in your gut or your intuition that said, wait a minute, should I really do this? Or did you just pretty much say, look, I'm just following what these guys say and it seems like good advice? In the beginning, I thought, okay, this makes sense. We're going to run with it because the, the protocol behind this, it was all coming to fruition. Like I, mm -hmm. it was, the government was doing what they normally would do. Yep. But then there was this moment when things changed and this one company I was working with really started to take control and involve all these firms. And I was like, wait a minute, this, this isn't right because the way that this work needs to be managed, you don't need to involve 20 chefs in a, a little mini kitchen. You don't need mm -hmm. that. So right. my intuition started to go off, but I, I, I was in, so I just kept going. Yep. Yep. Well, let me summarize a few things that I take away from this. The first one is sell first. Ladies and gentlemen, do not build first, sell first. And I know it goes against everything that people want because you want to do your business because you've got such a great idea and all that. But ladies and gentlemen, you've got to sell first. And it just, it's just so critical. The second thing is, you know, you mentioned about the mentors and kind of pushing and ultimately, you know, you were trusting those mentors. But I think that, you know, an important thing for all of us is that we have to think for ourselves. It doesn't mean we don't get advice. It doesn't mean we don't follow mentors. But just because you have mentors, advisors, coaches, or whatever, you still have to stop and think and question. And really, a good mentor or coach is someone who encourages that. If somebody's just pushing you along a line, you know, it's something that I think you can push back a little bit. And then the last thing is things change. And there's a lot of people that will bring you down the golden primrose path or whatever they call that, where everything looks golden. And then at one point, something changes, you know, a new person comes in or, or they change their idea, they go a different direction. And in your gut, as you've just said, you go, wait a minute, if that happens in any deal, you have a right to stop and go with that intuition and say, wait a minute, sorry, I have questions here. Wait a minute, our original, we started here. And then, you know, that is, those are the three things that I take away. Is there anything you'd add to that? I, I think the, the other thing to add to that too is you really got to also look at who's giving you the advice. Because one of the individuals she was a contractor 
And so I should have known that, of course, she's going to push me because she wanted to increase her billable hours. Mm. So you also have to think about, well, what is the intent behind the people who are cheering you along or encouraging you to take that leap or get involved in that opportunity? What are they getting out of it? Oh, great. You know, I'm involved in the Chartered Financial Analyst Society and Institute across the world. We call it CFA. And I was president of CFA Society in Thailand for two terms. And we have a code of ethics. And one of the codes of ethics is reveal conflicts of interest. Mm. It's not to eliminate conflicts of interest. It's to reveal them. And the benefit of that is that, you know, once you understand someone's motivation, then you can make an adjustment in what you're hearing from that person now that you know their motivation or at least part of their motivation. And so, first of all, you know, you want to work with people that reveal their conflicts of interest, but you also want to just identify people that are around, you know, what are their potential conflicts? You know, and, and another way of saying is who benefits you know, who benefits? Who benefits from this advice? So I think that's a, a last thing that I would take away is to, it's okay. It's okay to think about the conflicts, to ask questions about the conflicts, to reveal and discuss the conflicts, you know, and as you do that, that will help you make better decisions. So that would be my little thoughts on it. I wonder now if based upon, you know, you've helped so many people and you know so much now about government contracts, based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? The one big action is you can't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to government contracting. And I would say the unless is if you're the incumbent. Hmm. So if we would have been in the incumbent, there would have been business intelligence that we would have had. But because we weren't, we were considered an adjunct on that effort. We didn't have any key insider information. But you want to make sure you have your multiple revenue streams so you don't get into that situation. Fantastic. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, my number one goal is more fitness oriented. I just set a Guinness world record for jump roping. So Tell, <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. Tell us what you did. <laughs> it was for most skips of a rope while wearing flip flops in 60 seconds. No way I could win how, that. So I jumped 182 times. Oh my God. I know. So my next goal is to throw a football 60 yards. With your left hand or right hand? Right hand. <laughs> <laughs> With my right hand. And I just hired a throwing coach who was a quarterback for Notre Dame. Wow. Well, <laughs> we look forward to that success. All right. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is a little bit less ambitious. It's to help you, my listeners, reduce risk and increase return in your life. To achieve this, I've created our community, 
where you gain the five free benefits I mentioned earlier. Just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to join us. As we conclude, Kizzy, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of A. Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. It's not the Guinness Book of World's Record, but you're in it now. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Oh, my parting words. I always say to people that everything is possible. I'm a very upbeat positive person. And I just impart that to you because maybe it's something that you need to hear today. And just remember, everything is possible regardless of where you are. And thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.